Welcome to Global Outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to our podcast today. We are always talking about ways that we can either contend or equip or engage in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's coming. And today we're going to talk about some real practical stuff, especially for married couples. And it's all about walking with tender devotion. We are continuing our study in the book of Ephesians, and we've come to that ticklish place that, you know, we might have just kind of skimmed over and said, let's not talk about this. But it's such an important part, but it's a controversial part about uh, husbands and wives and wives submitting. And, and you know, there. for those of you who are younger, you won't remember this, but there was a time back in, in the late 70s, mid-70s, yeah, it was even early 70s, I remember, um, when there was a movement called the Submission Movement. And it was all about everybody's got to submit to their head. And, the, and there's somebody, who's your covering? And the word submission became a dirty word to a lot of people because, because it was abused. It's not to say that there shouldn't be submission, because the Bible says there should be. But God wants us to learn from his Holy Spirit how to rightly divide the word of truth. Yes. And so this is, this is why we're bringing this today. And from our own personal experiences, our own personal relationship, our own personal marriage, we want to share with you some, some things that we've overcome and how we have, we have uh, come into agreement in this scripture to make the, the word work for us. How does this read in the Passion Translation? Because I think that really helps. Uh, for those who are already familiar with it in another translation, this, this might give you a, a, fresh, a fresh fragrance of the Word of God. This is uh, verse 21 out of chapter 5. And out of your reverence for Christ, be supportive of each other in love. For wives... This means being devoted to your husbands like you are tenderly devoted to our Lord. For the husband provides leadership for the wife, just as Christ provides leadership for his church as the Savior and reviver of the body. In the same way, the church is devoted to Christ. Let the wives be devoted to their husbands in everything. And to the husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. All that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him, glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy without fault or flaw. Husbands have the obligation of loving and caring for their wives the same way they love and care for their own bodies. For to love your wife is to love your own self. No one abuses his own body but pampers it, <laughs> serving and satisfying its needs. That's exactly what Christ does for his church. He serves and satisfies us as members of his body. For this reason, a man is to leave his father and his mother 
and lovingly hold to his wife, since the two had become joined as one flesh. Marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great and sacred mystery, meant to be a vivid example of Christ and his church. So every married man should be gracious to his wife just as he is gracious to himself, and every wife should be tenderly devoted to her husband. That is so beautifully put. Uh, So much of the time, things have gotten out of hand and out of balance in the way that they are taught, mainly because we have an adversary that is trying to keep us from being that picture on the earth of what it's like for Christ and the church. Did, did you catch what it said in, was that verse 32? Say that again, verse 32. Marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great and sacred mystery, meant to be a vivid example of Christ and his church. A vivid example of Christ and his church. We're supposed to be the microcosm of the macrocosm. The macrocosm is Christ in the church, and and every marriage is designed by God to be a picture. We're here on the earth to be a picture. Remember, we talked about that uh, in our last podcast, about being imitators of God, that we're supposed to be like him. We're supposed to be imitating him. And it's not that we're supposed to do this, so let's do this. It's about we're designed for this. And the enemy of our souls is trying to keep us from walking in the design that God made in us. So he designed marriage to be a picture of how much Christ loves the church and how the church is to be tenderly devoted to him. It's the picture. And, and I want to remind you, if, if you didn't catch our uh, episodes, I guess it was 16 and 17 when we had Pastor Justin Goff with us. He was talking uh, extensively for two episodes about the principle of head and body. And so we don't need to get into that too much except to say this is really about head and body. It's about leadership and followership. And at some point, you've got to make a decision about who's going to lead and who's going to follow. The critical thing here that most people leave out is when they start, even when they divide the chapters, they start with verse 22 Wives, be subject or submissive and adapt yourselves to your own husbands. I'm, I'm reading from the Amplified. But they, they forget that just before 22 is verse 21. And it says, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ the Messiah, the anointed one. So uh, it's not only just a subjugation thing where a woman is, is to be the chattel of the husband, where, you know, that's what it's become as what it's been for centuries in many cultures. But God intended for us to be working together mutually. Uh, like, what was it you were saying earlier before we started the podcast, Philip, about about what Paul said about there's no Jew nor Greek? Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. So this is about being one. And when you're married, this is something that that is also made clear. You become 
one. So as you're becoming one, yes, there's a head and yes, there's a body and yes, there's a leader and, and yes, there's a follower. But, you know, if you stub your toe, your toe is sending a message to your head and your head is telling the rest of the body how to take care of it. So the experience of the body affects the head. Mm-hmm. And, and the head works together with the body. This isn't about uh, a master and a slave. This is about working together where, uh, for instance, for instance, if we have, have differing opinions, shall we put it that way? Is yeah. that a nice way to put it? Uh-huh. If, if Philip and I have differing opinions about something, about, particularly about how to do something, okay, we're, we're presented with something we've got to accomplish. And Philip has an idea, and I have an idea, and we discuss our ideas together, mm-hmm. and then we come to a conclusion together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if, if Philip's idea is better... We do Philip's idea. And if my idea is better, we do my idea. Or usually what happens is the two ideas meld together and become a better solution than either one of us had by mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. Isn't that true? Yeah. Uh-huh. We see that all the time. Yeah. So this is about submitting yourselves one to another. It's not about being master and slave. Yeah. That's which, which is the, the way much, much of the other cultures do it, you know, and even in even in this country, there there are people that that have that mindset that this is the way it's supposed to be. I'm the man of the house, and and you're my whatever, and and submit. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but how is it for us, Philip? I recognized, you know, when when I met Sharon, the anointing that was in her life, and I knew she had something I didn't have because I've been backslidden, you know, on my on my way back to the to the Lord, everything I held dear to myself was taken away. You know, God has his way of taking things away from you when he has a plan for your life and you have people praying for you. Right. Amen. And things are going to happen that you do not like that will take you out of your comfort zone where you've never been before, which Mm -hmm. is what happened to me. And when you look back on it, you can see how God works all things together for good. Right according to his riches. You know, that's Romans 8.28. Right. And so that, that's what God did for me. But Because I was married once before. It was a worldly marriage. And God never let me find another girlfriend. You know, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how hard anybody else tried, you know, tried to fix you up or something like that, it did not work. It just did not work. And it was just like, and, you know, with a worldly mindset, well, what's wrong with me, da, 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 and everything like that. But when I met Sharon, it just did something. When, and there, there was just something. We had chemistry. There. Yeah, we had chemistry. Yeah, that <laughs> right was away. it. Yeah, <laughs> DNA, you know, we didn't know about. <laughs> but I recognized the anointing in her life. And that's what just, you know, really opened my eyes. I says, wow, she's really anointed. You know, when you see Jesus in someone else and you recognize the anointing in their life, sure, personalities are different, and there's personalities that do not always get along. It's like the, the tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're camped together in the wilderness, and, and maybe Judah didn't camp next to 
Benjamin. Benjamin or something, you know, they, you know, because they're, they were all different. The, the tribes are all situated different. And, and so we're, and we're all kind of the same way. We all have, have personalities. We've been molded and shaped in many different ways in our childhood. And, and then we spend the rest of our adult life trying to get over this stuff that, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that got goofed up as we were children. Yeah. You know, it's like we're, I always say we're, we're always in, you're always in boot camp mm -hmm. while you're walking the earth. You know, you may, you may be a higher rank in the church or you have spiritual gifts in that, but you're still walking in a boot camp, mm -hmm. you know, because God still is still in just, training. We're still in training. We're all, we'll always be in training, you know, because there's for everything God wants to do through us and, and put in us. And we're always in a position where we're having to submit to something. Yeah. That's right. And I think it's really critical to understand that this word submission, uh, I love the way the Passion Translation puts it, of tender devotion. Mm -hmm. But in the, the original text, uh, in the original Greek, the word, uh, can you pull that up, Philip, um, from your Blue Letter Bible? The, the idea is that this is a reflexive verb. And a reflexive verb is something that, that you yourself or to yourself or from yourself or for yourself, like the word to dress yourself. Okay, that's reflexive. I dress myself or, um, or I, in this case, I submit myself. I bring myself under. I choose to put my opinion down to listen to someone else's opinion and to evaluate it. And, and I, I lay mine down. And if... If it works just as well, if it's going to get the job done, I can let go of my opinion. Mm -hmm. So yeah. how does that how does that read? That that's really significant. Yeah. So the in the Greek, it's the Strong's. It's fifty two ninety three, hypotasso. I know how you would say it properly in Greek, but um, it says this word was a Greek military term meaning to arrange, like in troop divisions of a troop, in a military fashion under the command of a leader. In non-military use, it was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. Beautiful. Yeah. That gives a better understanding of it. Yeah. It's really about cooperation. Mm -hmm. We have to think of ourselves as a unit rather than two individuals. We're, we're two individuals, and we both have opinions, and we both have a different way of thinking in some cases. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll just add this, that I think we have a super successful marriage because we come from similar backgrounds. Um, we were both raised in the church. We were both raised with an understanding of right and wrong. We were both raised with a similar, similar mindset in our Christian walk. I didn't come into the baptism in the Holy Spirit as early as Philip's family my family didn't come in as early as Philip's family came into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he had a little bit more, um, <laughs> Philip had a little bit more exposure to that than I did early on. But I think I caught up with him because he kind of went backwards a little bit. So we, <laughs> we kind of got onto the more or less the same page close enough that we could, that we could work together. And I think we talked about this on uh, the podcast that we did around our anniversary back in July. So you can kind of scroll back and, and hear our love story 
on that episode. I'll I'll put that in the show notes. I'll put a link to it in the show notes so that you can you can catch that story because it's a really great yeah, love story. It's amazing how God just orchestrates it, things. It, yeah, He orchestrates it so well. It gives you a better understanding of how how He plans things. Yes, because you know it's totally you can't make it up. That's true. It's totally beyond your control. That's true. And and the funny thing was that I knew all of Philip's other family before I ever met him. I knew his parents. I took piano lessons from his mother. I knew both of his brothers and their wives, but I had never met him. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's not always been easy. No, you know, that's we, true. We're been, uh, you know, been, we've been full-time in ministry coming up together 40 years. Yeah. Coming up real soon here. And we have never lived normal lives. There's <laughs> times we've never go a whole year and not take a vacation or anything. Cause, and we would travel— because we were traveling with our with our founder sister Gwen, and we were being subject unto her mm-hmm. with a, a servant a tender devotion, tender devotion with a servant attitude. That's right. And we were the road crew. I mean, mm-hmm. we we drove the van with all the all the books, the tapes. I mean, we back would do in the day of tapes. Yeah, when they had tapes and cassettes <laughs> and and yeah, we would we would do some meetings and we have flags of the nations that we represent. You know, this ministry has been in over. Oh my! Sister Gwen had been to 115 nations before she passed away. And uh, to minister, and the minister, and then others that have been in this ministry yes. have been in probably close to 200 nations, Could almost. Be. You know, we don't keep track. We don't keep track, and you know, we have a three by five foot flag of every nation represented that we would hang in our our big world conventions. So we would go with the road crew. We did the worship. We took the books, and at the end of the meeting, you know, you. You know, sometimes you pray for people, but a lot of times, too, we were back at the book table running off the cassettes. Or we might be playing uh, our guitars and singing in the background for 45 minutes while Sister Gwen ministered <laughs> to people. Yeah, and then and then you get done with that and you pack for the next meeting. Mm-hmm. And you may only have—so you never had a day, and there was a stretch for like six weeks there. You never had a day you could call your own mm-hmm. because we were— it was like a six-week-long road trip we did every spring all the way from Florida. It could be to Montana, to, to mm-hmm. Wyoming, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just a amazing journey that uh, we got We got a lot of high mileage on us, <laughs> but also a lot of experience in ministry, too. And that has helped to mold us, too, because we don't get flapped very easy. No, that's true. We don't get rattled, you know, and it just amaz- it's amazing that how things had come up because of what God has built in us. Especially when you travel the nations, true, and you're out of your comfort zone, and or maybe you're eating, and then even in a natural sense, you're eating somewhere, and and we had yak tongue, yes, <laughs> that was uh, that was quite unique. Or you have yak butter tea with, uh, I remember someone had someone, and they were blowing on it, and someone thought they were cooling it off, but actually they're blowing the yak hair away off the top so they could drink it, <laughs> you know. So you, you never know what you're going to get run into when, when you're in a nation. So it prunes you is yeah. what it does. And, and God can use you better that way too because he knows he can trust you in circumstances that he could not trust others. It's true. And, and there's other, other ways of rubbing off the rough corners. Um, <laughs> like I remember when, when we first got married— uh, and before we got married, I, I'm just not a morning person. I start slowly, 
And still does. And I still do. <laughs> uh, there are times when I'm better motivated now than I used to be. But Philip just, you know, it the alarm rough. goes off. He sits up. He puts his feet on the floor and he gets up and goes. And to me, that's a mystery. I, I, don't, I just don't move that fast. But in our early days, um, I was quite cranky in the morning. It's lost low blood sugar well, yeah. and low blood pressure. That, that contributes with, with to it. With those tendencies together, <laughs> you know, do, don't usually do well in the mornings. That's true. It takes you a little while to kind of get get the engine warmed up, and shall we say. That's where coffee comes in sometimes. <laughs> well, that doesn't work well for me. Anyway, what I was going to say is that, that one of the ways that the Lord used to knock off that, that crankiness off of me, because... You know, he just, he knew to kind of, don't talk to me first thing in the morning. I mean, he had to learn that, <laughs> that <laughs> I probably snapped at him and, and, and he, he, he's not a snapper usually himself. So, but I would snap at him and, and, uh, repent be, later. <laughs> and be, and rep, <laughs> yes, of course I repented later. I, yeah, I did a lot of repenting, um, and I still do from time to time. I, it's critical that you repent to each other when you do something that you shouldn't do. And that helps to keep things smooth. And do it quickly. And do it as quickly as you can. <laughs> don't let it linger. We've talked about that before. Certainly don't let it linger till you go to bed at night. Um, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. But the thing that, that really knocked that rough edge off of me was having a child. Because um, I knew that this little baby had no means of understanding why mommy would be cranky in the morning and be harsh. So I knew I couldn't be harsh because it wouldn't make sense to her. So that's what God used to knock that um, early morning crankiness off of me to a great degree. And just as I've, as I've continued to walk with the Lord, I've continued to get more victory in that area so that, mm -hmm. um, you know, there are even times now, even when we get up super early, God has given us the grace. I loved what um, Kevin Zadai talked about, how he and his wife wake up in the morning. The first thing that they do is they say, yes, and start speaking in tongues. <laughs> and that just helps me. We do that sometimes, yeah, don't we? Uh -huh. And uh, I wanted to look at in uh, verse 25 in the King James mm -hmm. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And that love, that's agape. Mm -hmm. That is the unconditional love. And unselfish. Unselfish. You know, conditions, you know, which can cause things to not go well. It's like true love bypasses that. So that's the love that a husband is supposed to have. It's that love of Christ one to another and instead of seeing the faults in each other, you'll see mm -hmm. the Jesus in them. And if you see that first, that can change your whole perspective on things. It's true. And, and there have been times when I have seen something that would irk me <laughs> because I'm, oh, I'm a recovering per perfectionist, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm getting over it. And part of getting over it has had to do with letting things go that are not perfect. And recognizing that, okay, my husband just did something for me that was really kind, and I appreciate it. 
and I'm just going to ignore the accuser of the brethren that's trying to point something out to me that is less than perfect. Hmm. Let's keep our focus on the sweet thing he just did and put down that accusation because that's where it comes from. It's, yeah, it's, it's the accuser. It's kind of like look before you leap. You know, yeah. Think before you before you engage mouth and gear, I think is oh, the yeah. way we've heard Oh, it. yeah, oh, yeah. We've, we were going somewhere, and uh, we're driving in our car. We had the time, it was a 72 Pontiac Bonneville. A, someone called it the Queen Mary. It was a big <laughs> it was car. Great, big. Beautiful interior, that mm-hmm. on it, you know, wood grain dash. And we're going somewhere, and, and Sharon was talking, making a point, and slams her, oh. her fist down on the dashboard, and it cracks. Uh. And we're on the way to a meeting, you know, where you got to, be on your spiritual best, you know. <laughs> and I just says, honey, you cracked the dashboard. <laughs> I wasn't laughing, though, you know. No, he and, wasn't. He you know, was not happy. Because I was a perfectionist to keep with a car, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. And men have that tendency a lot of times, too, their car. But when you make something your idol, and it gets mm-hmm. a scratch on your idol or, or a dent in your idol or something like that, you know, it, it puts your reaction you know you're going to react and sometimes violently but i just caught myself i thought you know we're underway to a meeting i can choose mm-hmm. so you you can choose in that split second to overcome or to blow it mm-hmm. <laughs> and have to repent later right and it's a lot easier to not blow and the more christ you have in you the more your responses are going to be christ-like it's true it comes from yielding to Christ first. Yielding, he's the anointed one. That's what Christ means. He's the anointed one. And as we yield to him, that gives us the grace to yield to one another. Amen. So when we got married, our we had a wedding song that we sang to each other. We we each wrote a song for each other that we didn't we didn't perform until the day of the wedding. That moment. That yeah. moment was the first time we heard each other's songs. But there was one that we rehearsed together, and that was written by Ramona Dix, The Wedding Prayer. And I think we're just going to sing it for you a cappella and pay attention to the little line, we will be kind and tender every day, because whenever I'd get cranky, Philip would quietly, calmly sing that to me. And I had a choice whether I could uh, erupt or agree. (laughs) And most of the time, it just left the air out of that balloon without popping it, (laughs) (laughs) without an explosion. Lord, as we stand here before you, send your blessings from above, Lord, you have brought us together. Please now join our hearts in love, for we are thine, together we are thine. We will be kind and tender every day. Unfailing love covers and forgives. We come to you 
and seek your perfect way. Lord, we want our lives to shine so that men will see only you. Come, Lord, we want you to lead us. What we say and think and do. So we will be kind and tender, with tender devotion to one another, because that's what makes a good marriage. A husband having that unselfish, kind love for his wife, like the Lord loving the church. And a woman is wired for love. She needs to feel that love. And a wife is to respect and honor and venerate her husband. I, I love how it reads in the, the um, Amplified, see that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, and loves and admires him exceedingly. Because that's how a man is wired. He needs to have that respect. And so we have this kind and tender devotion to one another that comes from the love of God that's operating in our lives. Amen. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the good news of God's global outpouring. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, connect with us, get a link to our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. You can browse our online bookstore for amazing anointed material. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence.